CBDC, the Bank for Canadian Entrepreneurs, is a proud partner of the Startup Women podcast. BDC is here for women entrepreneurs in their efforts to move forward and achieve their business goals. To meet their specific needs, BDC provides financing, strategic advice, and has a wide selection of free resources. Find out more at bdc.ca forward slash women. BDC is here for what's ahead. Scotiabank is proud to co-present the Startup Women podcast. Through the Scotiabank Women Initiative, Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. You're listening to the Startup Women Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. On the Startup Women Podcast, we connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training, tools, and all of the support that you need to make your vision a reality faster. This podcast is a production of Startup Canada, Canada's entrepreneurship organization and is presented in partnership with the Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. I'm your host, Kayla Isabel, CEO at Startup Canada. Welcome to the show. We are thrilled to have Dr. Liza Agboga on our show today. Dr. Liza has a doctor of chiropractic, graduating with summa cum laude in clinic honors from the Canadian Memorial Chiropractic College with a diploma in manual osteopathic practice and also holds a pharmacology degree with distinction from the University of Alberta. Dr. Liza is a manual therapy expert, myofascial release provider, media contributor, certified personal trainer, and a member of Harvard's Postgraduate Association. She is a highly trained and respected expert in her field. She is Black Canadian leader and was named one of the most influential people of African descent in business and entrepreneurship for 2019, and one of 150 extraordinary Canadians by the Transformation Institute in 2018. Along with her extensive experience consulting with senior executives, celebrities, professional athletes, and political leaders on health matters, injury treatment and prevention, and stress reduction strategies. She's also the founder and designer of her own chiropractor-approved shoe line, Dr. Liza Shoes, and ergonomic bag collection, Dr. Liza Bags. Welcome to the show, Liza. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm sitting a little bit taller now just reading out your bio, which is a great call to action for me today. <laughs> yes, better posture is important. It is indeed. So speaking of a key takeaway from today's chat, what's the most important thing that you want our audience to take away from our conversation today, Liza? Well, you know, since we are talking about, you know, business and entrepreneurship, the biggest takeaway is... I truly feel that business should be about not just about making money, but also about improving the quality and experience of life of those around us and those in the world so that we're truly adding something with longstanding value that lets people enjoy their life more, feel better, and the world 
will be a better place if we have businesses that contribute to well-being. Mm, that sounds great to me, Liza. I'm with you. I'm, I'm on board with that. So take us on your journey, you know, from working as a practicing chiropractic and posture expert to then founding and designing shoes um, for Dr. Liza. When did you realize that the world needed your product? Well, so I have always been, you know, into helping people. I knew I wanted to help people feel better at the age of six. And that's what led me down the path to be a chiropractor. Because I thought, you know, hands-on, you can help alleviate people from pain, help them lead a better life. And also at the same time, I've always been enthralled and excited by fashion as a way to express yourself and to convey a message without saying anything. So going into practice, most of the time we're on our feet and running around, and I love high heels, but I couldn't find high heels that I could wear all day long in my practice where, you know, I'm picking up patients, standing, adjusting. So I ended up, you know, just wearing very practical, frumpy looking flat shoes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So probably, you know, close to seven to eight years into practice, One of my patients, who is a design director, she came into the office and just looked at me and she said, you know what, Dr. Liza, you are going to be the one who's going to design a comfortable high heel that us fashion girls will actually wear. I was like, oh, really? Am I? She's like, yes, yes, you are. (laughs) And that's what got me thinking because I thought, you know what, I have been modifying orthopedic shoes. For almost a decade now, I make I make custom orthotics for patients so that they can feel better. I know what needs to go into a shoe for people to feel good, but then also aesthetically, I know what we, you know, us who are into fashion want a shoe to look like. So I thought, you know what? Why not? Why shouldn't it be me? It's something that's missing in the market. I have tried every shoe and haven't been able to find a true all day heel. So I learned how to, I learned how to draw. I did my research. I already knew the anatomy of the body, but I had to learn the anatomy of a shoe. And Mm. that's how, that's how it came about. So I did all the, did all the research, learned the intricacies of shoe design. And in March, 2017, came out with the Dr. Liza Pump, which was my first shoe. Amazing. And what was that journey like shifting into, you know, this this role of entrepreneur? You were almost told that you were going to take on this role um, and, you know, start th- start this sort of new business. Um, what was it like shifting from, you know, the industries that you were in, in chiropractic and, and posture, um, to then shifting into being a business leader and, and you know, really trying to bring this shoe um, to life nationally and, and internationally? Well, really, it seems like there are two completely different paths, but really, it's along the same line. I've Mm. always been an entrepreneur. You know, I started a babysitting business when I was 12 years old, and I marketed throughout the neighborhood to gain clients. Right out of school, I actually started my own clinic. So that was my first Mm. real business. And I didn't just start, you know, an ordinary clinic. I went right in the middle of Bay Street Financial District and in a high tower and started a high-end, you know, executive chiropractic clinic. And the goal of 
that business was, of course, to help people feel better and lead a better life. Now, with the launch of Dr. Liza's Shoes, really it was the same concept. So it's a business, but the goal of that was also to improve people's lives by making them more comfortable supporting their posture, but in particular, focusing on women. Because working in Bay Street, I noticed how, you know, we had to work so much harder as women and jump through so many more hoops in order to keep up or achieve the same level as the men. You know, you'd be walking through the PATH system, which is an underground system, and there'd be walking meetings and you'd have women, you know, struggling along in these sky-high stilettos while their male colleagues just walked comfortably <laughs> comfortably alongside mm-hmm. them. And that's why I thought, you know what, in my practice, you know, I, I helped everyone. But when it came to shoes, it was solely women which were held back by their footwear to the point where they were disfigured, in pain, but still required to wear these shoes in order to do their job. Mm. So in essence, the entrepreneurial journey for Dr. Liza Shoes was the same as actually starting a clinic and being an entrepreneur right out of school. But instead, the focus was different, where it was improving the lives of women. And now, instead of just being a health-focused business, it's also uh, fashion. So fashion and wellness intertwined. Amazing. It's a it's, a, it's such an incredible product innovation that I myself am, am definitely a, a target customer in that I despise wearing heels and I just default to something more comfortable out of sort of necessity, but want to have that confidence and that, um, you know, that is part of my aesthetic that, that I would love to wear heels and really, you know, be, be the executive in, in heels that I want to be, but without, uh, without the pain, Absolutely. <laughs> without all of those different parts. And most people think that fashion is is something frivolous, but when we talk about our footwear and especially heels, it's not just about looking better. It actually changes the way that we feel and approach the world. When we are wearing heels and we're, you know, we're lifted higher, our body actually produces more testosterone, which is a hormone associated with confidence. And it affects how much, you know, women who tend to wear higher heels or taller tend to get paid more. They tend to be more successful in interviews. So it's not just about looking our best. It's about feeling our best and, you know, contributing to our success as women. And that's why I thought it was essential to create a shoe that we could wear and do all these things without suffering. So we can not just be confident, but we can also be happy and feel good and comfortable confidently. Love it. Comfort, comfortable confidence. I can get behind that. Yes. <laughs> That's great to me. So walk me through, you know, clearly you are a trailblazer in being, you know, also a black Canadian woman designing a shoe line. And I really want to know, um, you know, what some of the barriers you were and some of the barriers that you had to overcome along the way, specifically as a black woman um, entering this space. You know, it's it's interesting to talk about barriers because you, especially starting a new business or a new concept, every step along the way is a hurdle. And I feel Mm -hmm. like I was prepared for that in my younger life because I ran track and actually 
my main sport was hurdles. So I'm used to jumping <laughs> over. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, I so love I'm used that. to jumping over the hurdles. And, you know, from the, I think the biggest thing starting out is that nobody takes you, takes you seriously or envisions you as a successful business person or someone who's going to achieve success based on you being black and being a woman, right? So when we normally think of, you know, successful entrepreneur, someone we want to invest in, you usually think of a white male. That seems to be the standard. So when you are the opposite of that, every step is a barrier from dealing with your bank to getting financing to even finding, you know, people who will work with you from manufacturers, from contacts who will take you seriously and, you know, reflect the same kind of drive that you want from your business because they don't take you as seriously. And I think that's the barrier along the way. They don't see you as an expert based on your experience. They don't see you as worth investing in, you know, and you have to work that much harder to build your portfolio and increase your credibility in order to, you know, be successful as an entrepreneur. And how do you increase that credibility when you, you know, are an early stage founder, you are, you know, being um, really overwhelmed by these initial hurdles, either figuratively, literally, uh, at the beginning of your journey. Uh, what advice do you have for aspiring entrepreneurs that are just in the infancy of building these businesses, but anticipating some of these challenges? So you cannot, you know, you cannot lay back and take it easy. You really do have to put in the work to become an expert in your field. So that's reading, that's going back to school if you have to, that means networking, asking all the questions. And the biggest thing is asking for help. So I've asked for so much help and asked people so many questions because I went from being, you know, an expert in my field as a chiropractor, osteopath, posture expert, to now being an expert in shoe design. So those are mm. two completely different trajectories. And to do that, that's thousands and thousands of hours of reading and learning. And that's the work that you have to put in because credibility, expertise is not something that you can fake. You actually have to spend the time mm. to become an expert in your field, whatever field that is. So that when you are you know, whether it's a product or what your business is, that your expertise can be felt in your product. And no one can question that because it's that solid. Mm, that's such a, an important comment because I think often, you know, talk is cheap. And, you know, you can say all of these great things on your website or, you know, you can try to wow people with a lot of um, icing, but ultimately people want cake Absolutely. <laughs> as a part of that. So and you do really need that cake to be there. Yeah, and you can't take the cake, especially when it comes to high heels, right? You can't say, <laughs> oh, these heels are so comfortable. If people put them on and they can't wear them all day, then you're not going, you know, your business pretty much ends there. And that's one of the reasons why I clinically test my shoes. So I'm the first person to ever clinically test dress shoes. Normally, they're only, you know, it's only athletic geared footwear that is clinically tested, but I clinically test 
high heels for function at the same way that you would test performance shoes. Because they are. They're performance. You are performing as an executive or performing as a leader in business. I love that parallel. Absolutely. I want, you know, that's exactly what, what it is because you can, you know, put all these things into a shoe, but we would, you know, clinically test uh, medication. We would clinically test a medical device. So when it comes to orthopedic footwear, I think that it should also be clinically tested to ensure that it's doing exactly what it says it does. So it cannot be questioned. Mm. Agreed. So looking at, you know, the support that you have leveraged for your business, were there key mentors that helped you navigate, um, you know, setting things up, getting support as you were trying to scale? What did the mentorship and resource side look for you when you were building the business? So the very fortunate part about what I do is, because of where my clinic was set up in, you know, fi- the financial district in Toronto, most of the contacts that were helpful for me were actually through my own patients. Mm, interesting. Right? So, I mean, even the whole concept for my brand was from one of my mm-hmm. from, was from one of my patients, and the people who have offered up, you know, support or I've been able to ask questions have been my have been my patients and that has been very very helpful because I do not have uh, I don't have any mentors but I feel that every person that you have a conversation with or that you can talk to is a potential resource hmm. so even when it came down to you know finding someone to help me, design the first shoe and get the shoe made it was a contact I made through the Toronto International Film Festival and she had a a contact that could help me in New York you know with finding a factory for for my shoes so I you know they always say networking is key and your network is very key because when it comes to I call them micro mentors Mm -hmm. a lot of it can just come from these networks or associations, whether it's someone you meet at an event, whether they're your patient, whether it's a friend of a friend, those to me are all micro mentors that when you have a question or need help, you feel comfortable enough to approach them to ask. So for me, the biggest thing is asking all these micro mentors questions and for help. Amazing. I love that term, micro-mentors. <laughs> that is so yes. great. And just the, the diversity of industries that you would also come across that, you know, you're seeing people um, from every walk of life that, you know, they're either um, working as executives, they're either they're working in the health space, they're, um, you know, crossing so many of these different spaces and have such different perspectives. All of that can help inform a different perspective from a mentor, um, which I Absolutely. love. Absolutely. Yeah, because I have, you know, patients who are in fashion, patients who are lawyers, patients who are in finance, patients who are in government, right? And so you have all these different facets and patients who are in marketing that you can ask ask questions. So it's really a great approach to have all these micro-mentors because with a regular mentor, you're asking a lot and for a huge contribution. And it might be harder to get, you know, some powerful people to be your mentor, but with micro mentors, you know, you're just asking a question here or there, but those, you know, the congregation of all those tidbits are enough to propel you and help you succeed. 
Amazing. Love it. Love it. Love it. That's that's my post of the day. Yeah. Finding these micro mentors. And just I think it's a reframe as well for so many people that to to seek out a formalized mentor, to your point, seems very daunting that, you know, you're potentially demanding quite a bit of time, energy. You yourself are putting yourself in, in a vulnerable position and having the courage to make those big asks by putting it into bite sized chunks with these micro mentors makes it a little bit less daunting as well. It is. And when you're in a profession where, you know, your whole role is helping people, Mm. people are more inclined to help you. So I think if you have a business where you are helping and making the world a better place, making people more comfortable, other people will be more inclined to want to help you as well. And that's why at the beginning, I did say that I really do think businesses should positively contribute to the world because then that positive that you are giving out, it does come back to you to help you Mm. and lift you up. Agreed. Literally lift you up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Um, So switching gears a little bit and talking about, um, you know, specifically within the entrepreneurship ecosystem, we have been having a lot of conversations over the last year since, um, you know, conversations around equity, conversations around support, specifically for black business owners has been so front and center really since the summer of 2020. From your experience, what do you think that, you know, we as entrepreneurs, we as consumers, what can we do to better support this movement and really support black business owners to take up the space that they deserve within the system, get more funding, get more real estate, um, and really thrive? What's missing right now for you? Well, so this is the thing. I, you know, I mentioned that it's great to reach out for help, but sometimes when you are in a position where you know you're not as oppressed or you have some degree of privilege, it's a great thing to look out to those people and see, oh, I see that there's something missing and I have a contact that can help you with that. And you reaching out to lift someone who is not as, you know, in a privileged situation as you. So I'll give you an example of last summer, I, you know, we're, we're talking, you know, that was the, you know, height of talking about George Floyd and all the unrest. And one of my, what I call a micro mentor, she just reached out to me and thought, oh, are you interested in growing your shoe business in the, in the U.S.? I was like, yes, I am. She's like, okay, perfect. I have a contact that you need to speak to because she'll be able to help you get a grant to help you grow your business in the U.S. And that's not, you know, I didn't know that any grants for this existed. Mm -hmm. I've never had a grant before. I'm like, so someone will give me money to help me with my (laughs) business. I'll take it. I've never, I've never heard of that. And that's not something that I would have come across by asking for help because Mm -hmm. I didn't know that that was something that was out there. Mm -hmm. So when you're in a position of privilege or you have contacts or you see that there's a way for you to help a black entrepreneur or black business, you know, it doesn't take that much. It's just, you know, one contact, here's, here's a resource and you're helping that person immensely. So I think it's really to be, you know, have your eyes and ears open and see, you know, who can I lift up today? Like, can I take five minutes out of my day to, to help someone who, because I'm in a, you know, I'm in a great situation and I, 
see a missed opportunity and it doesn't take me more than, you know, five, 10 minutes to reach out to this person and see if I can help fill that hole for them. And I think that's the key. So such a simple, practical takeaway, and it costs you nothing, takes very little amount of your time, and it also doesn't put the onus on, you know, the the person that's potentially more disadvantaged or just struggling with their business. Um, It doesn't force them to then seek out that support actively and spend that energy finding it. Um, I think it's just such a more efficient um, support mechanism to to really get support into into those people's hands. Yes, and those are the people in our society that you know, every small business, especially uh, Black-owned business or a minority business that becomes a big success, you have those people behind them that just, you know, they saw an opportunity and lifted them, lifted them up. And I absolutely would not be where I am today without those people who thought, oh, you know what? I feel like you could use this. I feel like this could help you. Hmm. Agreed. Agreed. And yeah, just this, you don't know what you don't know kind of idea too. Exactly. That, that, that's been, and particularly for women entrepreneurs, um, that, that can feel really crippling just from a, um, almost being embarrassed or thinking, you know, what am I missing here? Do, are there no grants available or, or do I just not know where to find them? Like that sort of, um, that doubt can creep up as well. And if you have these micro mentors or people presenting these opportunities, it'll boast, bolster confidence, um, which is also such a key part of this entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, and there's something interesting about oppression in that you, because you haven't ever just been given and everything, you know, I said you have to work 10 times as hard, 20 times as hard just to get to the same level. So you never even in your mind think that, you know, someone's just going to give you something Mm. (laughs) because it just doesn't happen, right? So the concept is entirely new and most most people have no idea that there are grants and funding out there. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, that that's interesting, and um, you know, I think it's it's a simple takeaway just in curating better resources and just um, yeah, making this path a little bit easier in any way that we can. I think that's a really simple message that every single person listening to this podcast can take away. Absolutely. And sharing information, you know, share information. (laughs) Share. (laughs) Exactly. Simple. Done. (laughs) Amazing. So when we look at, um, you know, your actual practice, you also offer a lot of treatments, you know, myofascial um, components, holistic posture fixing, all of that great stuff. That sounds very important as many of us are spending a lot of time indoors, sitting down, not moving as much these days. Uh, Do you have some quick tips for our audience to help increase their awareness of their bodies, uh, making sure that they're moving particular ways to to ensure that they have better alignment? Any quick tips for all of us working from, from home these days? Absolutely. I mean, number one, you have to move as much as possible. Mm. I, I, you know, I hear people now with this pandemic, some of my patients working 12 hour, 12 hour days because, you know, they're working from home and there's no boundaries, but making sure that at least an hour out of that day, you're doing some kind of movement. So whether that's going for a walk or jumping on the elliptical or doing uh, a yoga class, moving for at least an hour a day. And if you are working from home, say you have an office where it's the kitchen table, getting yourself away from that area and moving for an hour so that there's some separation between you and your work. And then also your setup. So the 
one of the biggest problems I've seen during this pandemic is people using their laptop on their couch. Mm-hmm. Although it is called a laptop, one of the worst things you can do for your body and posture is put your laptop on your lap, right? Wow, there you so, go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then spending too much time on the couch. And then number three is most people have been at home barefoot. But if you, prior to the pandemic, if you were used to going to work and you wore supportive shoes or you wore orthotics in your shoes because you were an overpronator or you needed, which is when you roll in too much, mm. or you needed more support, and now you're at home barefoot all the time, you're running around barefoot, you're doing your, you know, whether jumping jacks at home barefoot, you're doing all these things barefoot. And without that support, that can lead to foot pain, knee pain, back pain. So I recommend that people wear a supportive slipper at home with a, you know, a nice art support or orthotic footbed, or they wear their running shoes at home. Okay. I did at not least during, realize that. Yeah. At least during the workday. So say yeah. you work nine to five and you're used to wearing these support shoes nine to five. Then nine to five, and then when you would normally get home, then you can take off your shoes and go barefoot for the rest of the time. Mm. But we're yeah, our bodies are just not in a place with our tight hips from sitting too much where we can afford to just go all day barefoot. Interesting. That is so, so interesting that, you know, my thought is, you know, back to the basics that, you know, we would take away the shoes completely now that we're home. But that's a great point that it is a bit of a shock to your system when you're, you've not been used to that from your, you know, entire career and lifetime, not, or wearing shoes all day. Um, That would be an adjustment. Yeah. We talk about, you know, barefoot is going back to nature, but we don't live in that natural primal environment anymore. We sit too much. So we have tight hips. Because we tight, have tight hips, we overpronate and roll in too much. So we don't have the mechanics of our ancestors. Therefore, we can't go back to nature like our ancestors. We're, we don't have mud floors where we have natural mm. shock absorption. We, you know, we're on hard concrete. We sit too much. We're hunched over phones. We need help. We need support. We need alignment because we've messed up our bodies with modern society. Seriously, you are teaching me so much today, Dr. Liza, in business, in footwear. (laughs) I have learned so much. Uh, So wrapping up our fabulous conversation, are there any other key tips, key words of advice that you want to share with other women entrepreneurs before we sign off? You know what? I would say that if you are truly passionate about something and you know that what you're doing is improving the lives of others you have to really shut down the the naysayers and all the negative noise around you because that can you know derail your your dreams and your plans so be confident be passionate about what you're doing because if what you're doing is truly impactful for people i don't see how you cannot be successful I love that. What a great, great way to to end today's conversation. Thank you so much, Dr. Liza, for joining us on the Startup Women podcast. Uh, I think a a purchase of of one of your shoes may be coming your way very soon. Amazing. A a new customer in me. Um, And where can our audience reach out to you, um, find, you know, the products, the fabulous products that you're developing? What's the best way for for our audience to find you? So 
on social, I'm Dr. Liza, so D-R-L-I-Z-A. And then the website for Dr. Liza's Shoes and Bags is drlizashoes.com. There you go, everyone. There's your your call to action for today's episode. Thank you so much, Dr. Liza. And we look forward to seeing uh, the business continue to grow. Thank you. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Women Podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, VDC, and Scotiabank for helping us to power women entrepreneurs. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook, Resources for Women Entrepreneurs, with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business. And visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast, hosted by Rick Spence, and plug into the Startup Canada network. Until next time, I'm Kayla Isabel. It's time to choose to challenge the status quo and unleash the economic potential of women.